I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I think I've already said that today, announcing things. But I've been teaching on something I want you to understand. It is the very essence of prophecy. It's called the 70 weeks of Daniel. Let me put a a picture on the board what it's about. 70 weeks of Daniel. Most people hasn't even heard of that, yet it's in the Bible. It says 70 weeks of Daniel. (laughs) All right. Let me put something up here. Make it, see if I can make it easier for you. All the time Israel was a nation. They had 70 times 7. They had 70 sevens, Shabuah, S-H-A-B-U-A. Shabuah, or Shabuah, H. And that's 490 years while they were a nation. They did not keep the law of God in Leviticus, the 25th chapter, where God says... I want you to take every seven years, every seven years, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and I want you to leave the land alone, leave it alone, do not harvest. And don't plant anything that year. Well, the year before, in the sixth year, they had something they planted in the winter that they would harvest in the fall of the seventh year. I mean, the spring of the seventh year. So they couldn't harvest that. And then they couldn't plant anything in the winter. They couldn't plant anything in the fall of the In the spring of the seventh year, they couldn't harvest anything in the spring. They couldn't plant in the fall of the seventh year so they'd have something to harvest in the spring of the eighth year. So they had from six and a half to eight and a half, which is two years that they had to go without harvesting or planting. And the whole purpose in this, I've said this over and over again, the whole purpose was the same purpose that any good farmer out in the Midwest will tell you about and talk to you about. You can go on, you can go online and you can look up crop rotation. It's hard to understand because you have to be a farmer. Crop rotation is where a man owns all these let's say he's out here in in Kansas and he owns a thousand acres he cannot every year plant the same crop in an area he's got to rotate those crops some crops suck the oxygen out of the ground I was reading that and some crops pump oxygen in the ground. We had a guy that had a degree in biology used to come here. He said, you've got to have so much snow 
in order to have crops because it has nitrogen in it and you've got to have nitrogen in the in the ground to grow most of the crops well when we had these weather changes and everything's everything's warming up and it is the earth is warming up we've had the hottest years in the last few years that we had in in decades or in 50 60 80 years the earth is heating up therefore we don't have the snows out in the midwest we used to have therefore we don't have the crops and that's helping what is it helping to bring about how about famine and you know whose fault that is the famine in america whose fault would you say it is it's obvious somebody tell me the preachers thank you (laughs) the preachers it's the preachers fault because god says if you don't if you're not obedient to me i'll send the sword the sword the famine and this lends to the famine all these you cannot plant the same crops if you plant the same crop You've got to get a farm agent. My favorite farm agent was that guy off of Green Acres. What was his name? The stupid Hank. Hank. He was stupid. But he was the farm agent. He'd come out there and tell uh, the character. What, who, I can't remember his name. Uh, Hank. Oliver Wendell. Whatever. He would tell him what to plant or what not to. Of course, he was an idiot. And you can't plant the crops every year. You have to have a farm agent come out. And the famine is due to preachers. Because how can man be obedient to the Word of God when the preachers are lying? They're preaching the prosperity gospel. And they've taken the word prosper, which is the word you, adao, and it comes from you, e-u, meaning well, and hodos, meaning way. It means the well way. That's what prosper means. And health, hugiano, means it doesn't mean physical health. And the charismatics say you can have all the physical health you want. No, you can't. Those guys are idiots. And they're the reason for for the famine. They're also reason for the next thing, pestilence. Pestilence is coronavirus. It is AIDS. It is Ebola. It is all of these diseases that come along, and that's the preachers. This coronavirus is not going to go away. I don't believe it's going to go away. All you can do is protect yourself the best you can. Why would God take the coronavirus, which is pestilence, it's disease? I believe all all of these diseases, smallpox, smallpox, when people say, well, you shouldn't tell us we can't get together and, and get real close and meet together. Well, what if somebody had smallpox in there? Would you believe the same? Would you say the same thing? That's insane. Saying, "Well, you, we can get together and, and meet together in a church and sing together and get together and be close together." And I understand John MacArthur fought that and told his people that not many people got that. And I saw him on the internet the other night. And somebody asked him, what do you think, John, about in this church that seats three to 4,000 people, you only got 12 people out there. What do you think of that now? He didn't have any answer. 
That's another thing he's wrong on. If you got some deadly disease like coronavirus, be safe. That's not taking away your religious liberties. That's saying, don't get around the pestilence, that'll kill you. I just think it's crazy that people... But he I never heard him preach on the sword, the famine, the pestilence, or the beast. Never. And the beast is the last thing God sends. That's a world ruling system. World ruling. It was Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And it's good. it looks like they're coming up and they're trying to set things up for a new world order. I believe it's going to happen. I don't believe it's too far in the future. Now, what I'm going to do is show you how this thing is laid out. So you got you got 490 years where Israel did not keep their sabbatical years that God required of them in the 25th chapter of Leviticus. So God says, I'll put you over here in Babylon for 70 years. And if you'll repent there, I'm going to have these people that's got you in captivity over there Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes give decrees for you to go back to Israel and rebuild the temple and the city. And the temple will be rebuilt by these first three decrees and then Artaxerxes will give the last decree, the fourth decree in Nehemiah, the second chapter, and that's the decree to rebuild the city. And if you don't go back during these 70 years, the reason he's taken 70 years, he's taken all 70 of those sabbatical years, one, two, three, four, five, six, up to 70 of them. And God is saying within 70 years, the land will have restored its nutrients. Here's the way the Bible puts it. Restored nutrients. It says, the land will enjoy her Sabbaths. And it takes that. If you don't like what's going on in the world, blame the Baptist preachers, the Pentecostal preachers, the Church of Christ, the Episcopals. Don't blame the doctors. And don't blame the Republicans or the Democrats. That's idiocy. It is not... My doctor said a couple days ago, he said, this is not a political issue. This is a science issue. It's about science. And he said, doctors are scientists. I don't know why people want to make this Democrat-Republican. It's stupid. Now, let's get back over here. Here's what he said I'm going to do. Let me finish this up. Let me finish this. He said, what I'm going to do, if you don't go back after 70 years, let's make the 70 over here. He said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take those same original 
70 times 7. And I'm going to measure that 70 times 7. And here's how I'm going to lay it out. I'm going to... Well, let's read this here. And I'll as we lay it out, I'll put it back up on the board. Here in verse 24, Daniel is in Babylon. Remember, Babylon is... Uh, let me go back this other way. Babylon is over here in... I'll get to my favorite map. All right, I'll get to it in a minute. Yeah, here it is. Here. Babylon is over here. It's on the Euphrates River. Israel is over here. This is where certain prophets are. And this is where the prophets are. Daniel is over here. He's been carried away into the captivity. Ezekiel is over here. Daniel and Ezekiel were probably in the streets of Jerusalem as little boys when Jeremiah was walking through Jerusalem. Say, repent. Judgment's coming. Nebuchadnezzar's coming. Going to destroy this nation we're in. So they're over here. Jeremiah's over here. Daniel Ezekiel. Jeremiah and and Haggai and uh, Zechariah were over here and they end up over here. So you have to know where they are. Now, Daniel is crying unto the Lord, how long are we going to be in this captivity? And the angel Gabriel comes to to Daniel about the time of the evening oblation. Understand, the evening oblation was the temple where the temple every morning at sunup or around 6 o'clock, every evening about 6 o'clock, they offered upon that altar, that brazen altar, a lamb and a bread offering. The bread offering was called an oblation bread. You had the brazen sea here and the the curtain there and the Ark of the Covenant here and the candlesticks and the the table of showbread and the altar of incense. And it was about the time, about six o'clock in the evening, when the angel Gabriel came to Daniel and said, Daniel, you've been agonizing. He said, you're greatly beloved, Daniel. Boy, I'd love for God to say that to me. He said, you're greatly beloved. And let me give you the time period of how long you're going to be here? Seventy weeks, seventy sevens, it actually says sevens, are determined upon thy people, the Jews, and upon thy holy city, Jerusalem, to do six things. Now, when these six things are done, everybody in God's Israel will be repentant. This has to be the end of time it's talking about. To, I've read this before, but let me read it again. To finish the transgression where Israel had gone after Baal and the grove and Shemash and Molech and all those gods around them. 
and to make an end of sins, to stop sin in Israel, and to make reconciliation for iniquity. Reconciliation, kafar is the same word as atonement. For all the iniquity, if God's going to make atonement for the iniquity of God's Israel, there's no reason for him to continue after these six things are done. And to bring in everlasting righteousness, it'll be everlasting. It'll be at the end of time. The fact that he put everlasting in there, Olam, O-W-L-A-M, it means it always has been and always will be in the mind of God. This is the righteousness of God that he's going to bring in. And to seal up the vision and prophecy. I've gone through all these words. I'm not going to go through them again. And prophet and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. The most holy was this inner sanctuary. It was called the Holy of Holies. And it was also called the house of God. And the Bible says in Galatia, in Hebrews, in Hebrews 3 and 6, Christ is a son of his own house, whose house are we? So if he's got to anoint the most holy, he's got to anoint the last one that comes into his house. We're God's house. We are where he lives now. He lives in us, in our hearts. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then he goes on to say, Know therefore, now here's the way I'm going to measure out the 70 weeks to you. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, there's been this argument about whether it was the first, second, third, or fourth decree. We concluded in our previous message that it is the fourth decree. The laws of the Medes and Persians never alter. We've already said that when Cyrus made the first decree to rebuild the temple and then Darius could not make, they stopped building for 16 years Darius couldn't make a decree to rebuild the temple. Once they made a decree, it was there for life. All he had to do was hunt for the decree, and he found it in the summer house of Cyrus. He found it, and they went over to Darius when a man named Tatani tried to stop the building of the temple. And they went over to Darius, and Darius said, You will. said, We finally found this decree of Cyrus. I could only make a decree... That, you, that it will affirm this first decree. That's all he could do. He couldn't make a new decree. Like I said last week, you can go down here to uh, one of the meetings they have on TV with the city hall, and you can tell those aldermen, I think we ought to make a law in town that it's against the law to rob banks. They'll say, we already got one. Well, I think we ought to make another one. Uh, they would say, well, mister, you got to sit down or leave. Because you've already, that's the way it was with the law of the Medes and Persians. It did not alter. It could not be changed even by the king himself. So, let's go on here. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment, restore and build Jerusalem. That was in Nehemiah. 
the second chapter. That's when Artaxerxes, Art, I'll just call him, Artaxerxes saw Nehemiah sad. It was against the law to be sad in the presence of a Persian monarch. You could die for that. But Artaxerxes loved Nehemiah very much. And he said, Nehemiah, what's wrong? He said, I've heard that my city is burnt to the ground. Now, you've got to understand, this was in 445, 444 B.C., right at that point. That's when, uh, that's when Nehemiah was talking to Artaxerxes. So he's saying, from the going forth of the commandment, at this point, unto Messiah the Prince... And that's talking about Jesus. Unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks if this is the if this is the commandment right here to rebuild Jerusalem. To go on forth the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem and that was in Nehemiah the second chapter shall be seven weeks three score and two weeks. Two weeks. That will be, a score is 20, three score is 60, 60 plus 7 is 67, plus 2 is 69 weeks. 69 of the 70 weeks will be from Nehemiah, the second chapter, until Jesus comes in Jerusalem. He is Messiah the Prince. Jesus comes in Jerusalem, and that will be, I've got several chapters. Luke, the 19th chapter. And you say, where's that 70th week? That has to come on down at the end of time. Most of us are familiar with what's called the seven-year tribulation, aren't we? Or haven't most of y'all heard that in your life? Well, the seven-year tribulation at the end of time is going to be split into two parts. That will be the 70th week. There's going to be a gap. Now, there's much argument over that gap that seven-year period will be at the end of time. It'll be, the Lord is saying, if you're not repentant during these, well, it ends the 69 weeks, and you got a 70th week to go at the end of time. The 69 weeks ends with Jesus, Messiah the Prince. Let me read the rest of this, and then we'll go over to Messiah the Prince. Knowing therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem in Nehemiah the second chapter shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Now we've talked about this and we've gone through this in the book of Nehemiah 
the street is built again in troublous times. He's got some enemies that are trying to stop the decree of God. Boy, what what an end they're going to have. They're trying to stop it. He's got one called Sanballat. Sanballat. Tobiah. And it refers to this last one, the Arabian usually. He's mentioned as Geshem at one time, G-E-S-H-E-M. He is the Arabian. Evidently, these are definitely God's enemies that try to stop the building of the city of Jerusalem. They give him all kinds of problems. Nehemiah is cornered by them. He's tried, they try to get him to do things. They try to ambush him. They turn people against him. They try everything they can to stop the building of the city. What you're trying to do is stop the decree of God. If I am God's preacher and you try to stop this church, God will deal with you. I won't. He will hurt you. And he's done that many times. I've had so many people here that want to stop this thing. Now, let's keep reading. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. He's not saying after seven weeks, three score and two weeks, because after three score and two weeks, it naturally comes after the seven weeks. He doesn't have to say after seven weeks, three score and two weeks. All he has to say is after three score and two weeks, which is going to be the time of Messiah. That's talking about the, about the death of Jesus. At And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. He will die for his wife. Not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof will be with a flood. I believe this is talking about Titus coming in and it's like a flood overflowing. You have to understand they're rebuilding the city. It's going to be in troublous times and then the next time it's destroyed is in 70 A.D. 70 A.D. That's when Titus comes in and destroys the city. He's given the decree by his father Vespasian, who is the who is the Caesar at this time. That's in seventy AD. Then he says the great problem is trying to find out when these decrees come and when they end. So the the big thing is when will this decree come? It's already come and they, and it, the rebuilding of the city was with a flood. And where did I get down to? That shall come. The prince that shall come shall destroy the city. That's when Titus comes in and destroys it. And the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. It, the Bible uses a flood as a great army comes in and sweeps across Jerusalem. That is that was used several times. You could the tenth chapter of Isaiah. Look at Isaiah ten. 
Isaiah 10. He says the same thing. Uh, wait a minute. Not, not 10, 28, excuse me. I was thinking of something else. 28. He says here, uh, I'm going to use this as an example to show you what he's talking about. Woe to the crown of uh, woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim. Now it doesn't mean people in the tribe of Ephraim are drunk. Ephraim at this time was a title for northern Israel. Remember, northern Israel was carried away captive by the Assyrians. They were spiritually drunk, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one that was Assyria that came in and carried uh, came, carried Ephraim away. That's northern Israel. Ephraim was the second-born son of Joseph, and he's the one that received the inheritance of all Israel. Northern Israel was carried away by the Assyrians. And right here it talks about the Assyrians as being a great overflowing flood of waters. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which is the Assyrian kings, which as a tempest of hail and destroying storm, as a flood of a mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down the earth with the hand. Look at Isaiah 8. I always kind of put that with this. Isaiah 8 and verse 7. 8 and verse 7. I'm strict, I'm just trying to show you how they expressed uh, expressed the Assyrians coming in. Look at verse 7, Isaiah 8. Now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, strong and mighty, even the king of Assyria. He's called a great flood waters. You see that? Even the king of Assyria in all his glory, and he shall come up here all his channels and go over all his banks, just like a flood. That's the way the Assyrian kings will come. Now get back over here to Daniel. Sometimes I have to go off like that to show you and give you an illustration of what they're talking about. They called all those tremendous armies coming like flood waters. Now back here to Daniel 9. And the end thereof shall be with a flood, that's the armies coming in and crushing Israel, unto the end of the war desolations are determined. I like the word desolation or uh, desolation in the New Testament. It's a, a abomination in the New Testament. It's the word delegma, D-B-D-E-L-U-G. M-A. Delegma means to stink. That's the word abomination. We get the word bidet from that. A bidet is a place to re- to wash your bottom and get rid of the stink. And you say, that's crude. Tell God that. He said, it stinks to me. And then it says, he shall confirm the covenant the man of sin can't confirm God's covenant. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. The big problem is most of the scholars 
try to come up and say there's no separation in the 70 weeks of Daniel, the 69 weeks from the 70th week. Nothing else fits in correctly. Let's go over there and look at Messiah the Prince. It's going to be 69 weeks to Messiah the Prince. Look over here in Luke 19. So from Nehemiah the second chapter to Luke 19, and I'm going to give you some other verses. This is it's showing Messiah the Prince. Now Jesus comes in Jerusalem. When it's time to die, he he hides from the Pharisees. They try to lay hands on him, and they never can. But when it came time for him to die, he set his face towards Jerusalem and said, It's time to die now. But the way he presented himself, he presented himself as the king. Was Jesus the king of the Jews? Was Jesus the God of the Old Testament? Yes. Did he not say in Hosea the 13th chapter, speaking Jerusalem, I will be your king? Did not Samuel say in the 12th chapter of 1 Samuel, when the people were wanting to uh, give Saul his coronation as the first man king of Israel, and and Samuel said, You desired a king over you when God was your king? If Jesus was the king of the Jews, he was the God of the Old Testament, that was their king. So he's presenting himself right here as king when he comes in. The thing they would do when a, when a king was coming in to conquer a land, he would ride upon the colt of an ass. Why? They are the most sure-footed of all animals. That's the way a king presented himself. When he's going into a land that he's conquering, he presented himself as king upon a young colt. If you go out to Arizona, going to northern Arizona into the Grand Canyon, you can take one of those tours down the side of the canyon. You have to sit on the young colt of an ass. Those colts are so steady. They have such a steady foot, they're not going to fall. Now, you, you, me, I would look out, oh, gosh, I'm going to fall because I'm going to get dizzy and fall off this off this donkey. And I, if it's going to be me, I can't handle heights. I just... I cannot handle them at all. They have that that little bridge that goes out over the edge of the Grand Canyon, and it's glass. You can see straight down for 2,000 feet. Mary said, let's go out on that. I said, no, no, and you're not going out either. If we, I wouldn't let her get 20 feet close to the Grand Canyon. I said, get away from there. I keep thinking we're going to stumble and fall. I don't know. These imaginations go through my mind. I cannot handle that. I, so I couldn't handle uh, the young colt. But that's how they came. So Jesus is presenting himself as Messiah the Prince here. A prince is the son of a king who is to be made king. He's the next king. Is the prince on his right hand. And when the Bible says Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, the Father is a spirit. Right hand just barely means he was heir to the throne. 
and he was the king of the Jews. He was the king of the Jews in the Old Testament long before he got to the New. So here he is presenting himself as Messiah the Prince, the King. Verse 28 of chapter 19 of Luke. When he had thus spoken, he went before ascending to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage, Bethpage, that is house of figs. That's where he, where he uh, said, if you say this mountain be there moved. And Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied. This is a fulfillment of Zechariah the ninth chapter, where he comes in on the young colt. Whereon yet never man sat, loose him and bring him here. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. He's going to be presented as the king. What they did when a royal king was coming in, they would spread these palm leaves before him. That meant victory has been accomplished. And they that were sent went their way and found, even as he had said unto them, and as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto him, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and there cast their garments upon the colt, and that was called a saddle. When they saddled the colt, it don't mean they had a leather saddle. It meant they put a, put a material on him, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went towards Jerusalem, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of Mount Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king, he's the prince now, that cometh in the name of the Lord. This is what Daniel 9.25 is talking about. From the going forth of commandment to restore and build Jerusalem in Nehemiah the second chapter unto Messiah the Prince will be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. This is the end of the 69 weeks right here. And glory in the highest. Now, in some of the scriptures in John 12 or 12 and other scriptures, Matthew 21 and 1, or Luke 9, 51. Some of those scriptures, he's, they're saying, Hosanna. Hosanna means, God save the king. That's what it means. So they were shouting, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. This is Messiah the Prince. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Tell them to hold their peace. They can't call you king. That's because they didn't believe he was the Messiah. 
And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. The Bible says we are lively stones built up in spiritual house. And when he came near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, now you understand why he's saying this. This is the end of the 69 weeks. Israel did not repent in the 69 weeks. It's going to take the full 70 weeks for the six points of Daniel 9.24 to come about where there will be complete repentance. And they hadn't done it up to this point. If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong to your peace, Israel, but now they are hid from thine eyes. You're blind today. And you can't see me, so... Look over here in Matthew 23. This is one you're all familiar with, and it's very familiar when people read it, but this is talking about the same thing. You've got Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels with a synonymous view, and each one gives you quotations. Matthew 23. 23 and verse 37. 23. 37. Let me get over here. All right. Jesus is coming in Jerusalem. This is Matthew's account of Messiah the Prince. He says here in, let's just go and read a few verses here. He says in verse 34, he's talking to the Pharisees. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you shall kill and crucify, talking to the Pharisees. And some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogue and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem! that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as this hand gathered her children under her wings, but you would not. There's several other of those. Look over here in John 12. John 12 and verse 15. John 12 and 15. You've got, you've got all kinds of places in here. It's talking about the Messiah coming. 12 and 15. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things 
that were written of him. Look over at Zechariah the ninth chapter. All this is talking about the same thing. It's talking about introducing Jesus as the king of Israel. These six things that the Bible says are going to happen, they all have to happen by the end of the 70th week. And the end of the 69th week, none of those things have happened. And then God goes into the times of the Gentile church, which is spiritual Israel. All right. Look back here in Zechariah. That's the third to the last book of the Old Testament. Or excuse me, the the next to the last book of the Old Testament. It's Zechariah 9. In verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly riding upon an ass, and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. And then he goes on to say, I will cut off the chariots from Ephraim and a horse from Jerusalem. He says, I'm going to stop everything. And then he says down here, and I've got a whole list of these, in verse 10. And his dominion, the last sentence, his dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river even to the ends of the earth. That is talking about the Gentile church coming into this thing. Now let's go back over here to Daniel. (laughs) Something's going to happen to that 70th week. It's going to be split into two parts. Let's look at Daniel 9. I'm I'm not going to take as much time as I did the last time I taught on the 70 weeks of Daniel. I went through all kinds of verses in these different Old Testament books. But in this ninth chapter, he goes on to say, It doesn't exactly say he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. It simply says, and the covenant shall be confirmed for one week. But what is the covenant? It's the six points of Daniel 9.24. The covenant will be confirmed. The only way the man of sin can confirm the covenant, he has to beat Israel all the way through that 70th week you're going to get to the end of time you got 69 weeks in here then you got the time of the church which is spiritual Israel people don't like spiritual Israel for some reason the Baptist and the other people that really disturbs me because I did a paper on spiritual Israel. Mary asked me to do this one time, so I did it. And you've got in Romans 2, verse 28 and 29, where he says in verse 25, 26, 27, For circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keep the law, but if it... If thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Circumcision was a title 
for the Jew. You have to understand that. That was the title for the Jews. Uncircumcision was the title for the Gentiles. Paul was said to be a missionary to the uncircumcision and Peter was said to be a missionary to the circumcision. You can find that in Galatians, the second chapter. I don't know why people don't like that. And then he goes on to say, and you say, why are you bringing this out about spiritual Israel? Because those six points of Daniel 9.24 doesn't just apply to literal Israel. It applies to spiritual Israel, which is the church just as well. But it's going to take the entire 70 weeks, and the 70th week comes at the end of time. It's divided into two parts. The first part is a peaceful time, and the last part is war on the believer persecution if we live into it we're not going to be raptured out of here at a pre-trib rapture we'll be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye at the last trump last is the word eschatos there in 1st Corinthians 15 51 and 52 last trump there's seven trumpets around sound in Revelation 8 9 and 10 when the seventh one sounds in Revelation 10 and 7 the mystery of God which is the church is finished. It's complete. The last one comes into the fold. The very last one of the most holy is anointed. Let me read some more of this. This is the spiritual Jew. I'll give everybody a copy of this if you'd like it. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? Will he not be a spiritual Jew? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? Where did circumcision start? It started with Abraham. God says, your sign will be to circumcise all the males. All the males on the eighth day. Why the eighth day? Doctors and nurses will tell you that is the height of the plotting of the clotting factor. And that's in the seventeenth chapter of Genesis. That's why the all those called circumcision were considered Jews. And then he goes on to say, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not just in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. I don't know how preachers cannot believe in a spiritual Jew. And then Philippians the third chapter, verse 3. For we are the circumcision. Now, what in the world is Paul saying we? You Philippian Gentiles and I'm a Jew. We are the true circumcision. How can you preachers get miss that? Well, 
This is not replacement theology. I've been a spiritual Jew from the foundation of the world. That's where they try to come up and say, that's replacement. That's not replacement theology. He knew me and him before the foundation of the world that I should be holy and without blame before him in love. And then he says in Philippians 3 and 1, we, me and you Philippians, you're a Gentile church. Philippi was right up here. Right there. Philippi and Thessalonica. He's writing to them saying, me and you are the circumcision. You preachers, how do you miss this? We are the circumcision which worship God in spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ, and have no confidence of flesh. I could spend days on that. We worship God in spirit. The spirit is the truth. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. We cannot rejoice with iniquity and have no confidence in the flesh. And then he goes on. Then he says in Galatians 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. When you, In the Old Testament, you had to be circumcised to partake in any part of the rituals of the Jews, but the rituals have been nailed to the cross with Christ. Verse fifteen, sixteen, Galatians 6. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, canon. It means a, it's a measuring rod. They would soak these rods in some kind of oil of some kind, and so it would be straightened out, and they would measure foundations. The way you're measured is by this canon of Scripture. Peace be on, then he says, and as many as walk according to this rule, the rule of what? Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Peace be on them and mercy upon the Israel of God. God's Israel walks according to the rule of God. How did, why would Galatia, why would Paul say to Galatia here, Galatia is a state right here in the middle of Turkey. Why would Paul say to them, circumcision or uncircumcision doesn't avail? Because when he was coming back from that first missionary journey, there were some Judaizers following him saying, let's go back and circumcise those Gentiles. He said, no, in Acts the 15th chapter. He said, we're not going to saddle them with something that we hadn't been able to endure. And Peter agreed with him. He said, it was by my mouth the Gentiles first heard the, the gospel. He said, we don't put on them what our own people hadn't been able to do. And then in Ephesians, the second chapter, wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, verse 11, Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And then he says, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. The commonwealth is the state. It comes from the word, it's the word polites, P-O-L-I-T-E-S. We get the word politic from that. It's the people. 
that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you are sometimes were far off or made by the blood baptism of Jesus Christ. That will baptize you into the kingdom. That's casting out devils. If I cast out devils with the finger of God, then is the kingdom of God coming to you. And that's that's when he writes upon fleshy tables of our heart. Now in Christ Jesus, who were sometimes far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, speaking of the Jewish people. Not any Jew. You don't get to go to heaven because you're a Jew. You get to go to heaven because you're circumcised of the heart. And that's what Colossians, the second chapter, says in verse 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, and whom also you, Colossian Gentile church, you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, a spiritual circumcision of the heart and putting off the body of sins and the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And then he says, we're buried with him in spiritual baptism, not in water, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, he hath quickened together with him, and having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of rituals. We are circumcised spiritually. We're spiritual Jews. Therefore, the six points of Daniel 9.24 has to apply to the church as well. Can you see that? Make an end of our sins. That has to be in eternity. That... that is, I believe that 70 week is getting, the 70th week of Daniel is pretty close. Let me read that last verse of Daniel 9. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That one week is naturally separated from the 69 weeks. There will be. Let me erase this. There will be This goes along with millennium teaching. There is no such thing as a thousand years. There's two thousand years. And the whole purpose of the two thousand years, when you get into the 20th chapter of Revelation, the Bible says that that this, this old devil, he cannot deceive the nations the nations I believe it says for 2,000 years I don't go into that right now nation is the word ethnos it's the same word as Gentile there's a group of Gentiles that he can't deceive because that comes after the 69th week when Jesus is crucified 
and he is the king. He says he's the king of the Jews in Hosea, the Hosea, the thirteenth chapter in First Samuel. In First Samuel, the twelfth chapter, he was the king of the Jews. The God of the Old Testament was the king of the Jews, and if Jesus, if Jesus is the king of the Jews in the New Testament, he's the God of the Old. He said he was the God of the Old Testament. He said, before Abraham was, I am, at the end of the 8th chapter of John. He said, I am. And the Jews took up stones to stone him because he was calling himself the I am God of the Old Testament. That's what he was. So then you've got the times of the Gentile church. Church, spiritual Israel that cannot be deceived, not deceived, because the Bible says they can't be deceived for that 2,000 year period. It very well may be when the 2,000 years is up somewhere. I'm not, I don't like to name dates, but it's 2,000 years from Acts 2, I believe, to the end. If a day is the Lord is 1,000 years, 1,000 years is one day. And six days is the number of man. It was 4,000 years. 4,000. Or four days from Adam until Jesus. I believe it's very possible that it'll be 2,000 years. The last days were here in Acts 2. Peter said it. They, he said they were here. He said, This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel that in the last days this would happen. So if he said, This is that, that would happen in the last days, it's, the last days are here in Acts 2. And that was around, that was 50 days after the Passover where Jesus was crucified. I don't believe in naming dates, but it would not surprise me if Jesus doesn't come in the lifetime of young people that are around here. I may not live to see it because I'm 82. I mean, if I live to be 92, that'll be a long time. But you say, Jim, are you being sad? No, 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 no. I'm tired of my body. My body is wore out. I've had two heart attacks. I've had a stroke recently. I had years and years of respiratory problems with my lungs. Just been to doctors all over the country for them. You know what I believe it was? The demon of self. I was so frustrated all my life because I wanted to be somebody I had no business being. That's what frustrates men. That's what gets them a demon where they will scream and yell through the tombs and cut themselves all over. That's what people do. They get mad and want to hurt themselves and and commit suicide and do all this stuff because they cannot get what they want. I do not believe that a believer is supposed to go after what they want, but that's what we do first. Until God teaches us, you can't do that. I had a big, huge, super tenor voice. And I thought, well, since I have this, I should pursue that. That's not true. 
It's just not true. I should be teaching. And that's what I'm doing. I've never been this content in my life. How much time do I have, Mike? 29. Let me get on into something. that. Let's get back to Daniel 9 and read that verse 27, the last verse. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Boy, that is that is very, very important. I've said this. <coughs> when you get into Matthew 24, and Jesus is talking about the end of time. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet, that's where the sacrifice and the oblation ceases. Stand in the holy place. That's in verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, that's the stinking up of the holy place. Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. That's... You find that in Daniel, the 12th chapter, and Daniel, you find it when in the 11th chapter, when, gosh, this will take me a long time. I got to make it quick. When, when Antiochus Epiphanes, this is Syria, when he went down here to attack Egypt, and when he was ordered by Rome, Rome was ruling the world, to get away from Egypt. And he got mad, and, and he met with the general from Rome, He, uh, whatever he was. He was some big commander. And he told him, you don't get out of this, step out of this circle until you promise you will not attack Egypt. What he did, he said, okay, and he was just furious. So he came back up to Jerusalem and he had and he defiled the temple. He offered a sacrifice of a pig in the temple and raised up an Ashtaroth. Some writers say an Ashtaroth was a female tree deity in the temple. That's the picture of the abomination of desolation. What he did, he was the picture of the man of sin. Man of sin. The Bible speaks of that. That will happen at the end of time, where this man of sin causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease in the middle of the 70th week. He will cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Cause the sacrifice and oblation. But... It won't cease in a temple over here in Jerusalem because they would have to build the temple on the Temple Mount. And what occupies the Temple Mount right now is the Dome of the Rock. And to remove the Dome of the Rock is going to bring about World War III because in 688 A.D., the dome of the, I got it on that paper I gave you. The dome of the rock was erected, and they say it was Mohammed's mother that did it. 
Mohammed, acquainted with the Old Testament and the New Testament, felt it necessary to identify with this city. That was holy to the Jews, Christians, and Islam. You're not going to remove. How can the man of sin raise up and stop a sacrifice in the temple of God in Jerusalem? Here's the point. Wasn't the temple... Wasn't that filled with the rituals? Wasn't a wasn't a lamb one of the rituals? Wasn't oblation one of the rituals? Was not the oblation and the lamb nailed to the cross with Christ? You say, Jim, then how can the man of sin called the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. The oblation was the bread offering. What is the sacrifice now? Who is the priests of God that need to be stopped? God hath made us priests and kings, and he commands us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You cannot offer a sacrifice anywhere in the Bible unless you're a priest. And we're priests and kings. So we give our bodies a living sacrifice. That's the sacrifice they're going to command to cease. They'll send me a probably a cease and desist order someday. Say, Mr. Brown, you can't teach that anymore. You're dividing people, and we are trying to get along, all of us, and we want we want an edict of toleration. We want political correctness, and you're not a you're not abiding by that. And what is the oblation, the bread offering? Paul said, We being many are one bread and one body. The sacrifice of the oblation will not be in a literal temple in Jerusalem. You preachers, why do you believe that? Besides that, if anyone offered a sacrifice in old Israel besides a son of Aaron or one of his descendants, that was a stinking abomination. Nobody knows who Aaron's descendants are. No one over there. Besides that, anyone who starts offering a sacrifice of a lamb, that will be a denial that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Besides that, that will be a denial of Hebrews the 10th chapter. Look at Hebrews 10. Anyone who starts to offer a sacrifice, I don't know why I'm the only preacher that sees this. Of course, people don't know what blotting out the handwriting of ordinances is. They don't know it's doing away with... Look here. I told you to go somewhere and I forgot what I was going to... Huh? Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. If they stop a sacrifice, if anybody starts to offer a sacrifice, it will deny these verses in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Look here. I believe this thing's going to sneak up on America and you're not even going to know it's happening. I can see it sneaking up right now. I believe we are headed towards the end of time. That's why they've got political upheaval. 
That's why we've got famine. There's a shortage of truckers. They cannot get everything to the grocery stores. That's called famine. Economic problems is a famine. Look here in Hebrews 10. Anybody who offered a sacrifice, the stopping of a sacrifice of a lamb over there would be a righteous thing. Can you see what I'm saying? Because Jesus was the one sacrifice. Look at what he says. Look here in... in uh, he says at the first part of this chapter, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, the law is a shadow, a skia, a shade. It was a shade of the real thing. And not the very image can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continue to make the comers there too perfect. The man that comes to the, to the temple and watches those sacrifices, that doesn't make it perfect. Then he says up here in verse 7, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God, above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings an offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein. God doesn't have pleasure in that. Which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. He's taken away that temple, all those sacrifices and rituals, so it can establish the spiritual. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Anybody who starts offering a sacrifice over there to stop it would be righteous, wouldn't it? That wouldn't be abomination, just taking God's nostrils. That would be right. I, I, I want to get those preachers all in one room, get them down here in tight and study them and scream at them. Jesus was the one sacrifice offered once for all. Nobody's going to try to offer a sacrifice on the Temple Mount. That's full of Islam, the Dome of the Rock. You can't remove them from that. And then let's read on. The body of Jesus Christ once for all, once for all the church, all the people, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. So they're going to offer a worthless sacrifice to get in the temple over there. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? When they cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, they'll cause our sacrifice daily going out and witnessing to people. How's that for political correctness? That's what they'll stop. They'll stop people like me from saying what I'm saying. Maybe I'll die about that time. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, 
For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And the offering was Christ. And no one is going to start offering a lamb in a temple over there. If they did and somebody stopped it, that would be righteous. It wouldn't be an abomination. Can you see that? It's it's insane to say these things that these preachers are saying. When Jesus, that's why when they come up and they say, well, causing the sacrifice to cease. So this is what a lot of people do. In the middle of the week that Jesus died, and they say he died on Wednesday. He did not. He died on Friday. They say he died on Wednesday. In the middle of that, the sacrifice ceased, and all of the lambs, they quit offering the lambs when Jesus died on the cross. No, they didn't. They offered them all the way to 70 A.D. when Titus came in and cut them to the ground. They do do all this juggling of scriptures to get what they want. He died on a Friday. And besides that, you can't come up and make the last 70th week days. You can't do that. The 69th weeks was years. It's like my elementary school teacher said, you can't add apples and oranges. How many apple oranges you got? Well, I got 12 apples and 12 oranges. No, I mean, how many you got? Apple oranges. Well, there's no such thing as apple oranges. You can't apple add apple. You can't add years and days. Well, then some people will say, the 70th week follows right on the heels of the 69 weeks. Let's just say, okay, let's just say you're talking about years. So if the 70th week followed right on the heels of the 69th week, you're talking about 33 A.D. plus seven years, right? Right, Wouldn't wouldn't that be following the 70th week right on the heels of the 69 weeks? Wouldn't that be doing it? Huh? Somebody tell me it would. (laughs) Sure it would. Okay, let me ask you this. What does 33 plus 7, what does 40 AD have to do with anything? Nothing. 33 plus 7 is 40 AD. Let's just say Jesus died in 32 AD. 32 AD plus 7 is 39. What does 39 AD have to do with anything? Nothing. Is that when the... The six points of Daniel 9.24 is fulfilled. It can't follow on the heels of the 69th week. There has to be a time of the Gentile rule over the Jews and a time of the Gentile spiritual Israel church. And the 70th week comes down here. And what you're going to do, you're going to find... I'm going to read to you all the places in the Scripture... Well, the Bible speaks of the 70th week in this in this fashion. Let me erase this. The 70th week comes this way. All right. It'll speak of it this way. 1,000... 
200 and 3 score 3 score days that's 1200 that's 1000 plus 200 is 1260 days sometimes it be referred to this way Sometimes this way, we're talking about the last half, last half, half of the 70th week. I believe it will come right at the end of time. It looks like we're looking at that. And it'll also say 42 Months. 42 months is exactly one half of seven years. And 1260 days is half, is half of seven years on a 360 day Jewish cal- calendar. It's all of these, and then it'll say a time and times and half times. That's one year plus two years plus a half year (coughs) is three and a half years. In the 11th chapter of Revelation, it will call it three and a half years days I've got this I've got all these verses three and a half days <laughs> what I need to do it's going to take me do I have how much time do I have Mike 11. I'll just give you some of these and we'll come back next week and go through them we're talking about I don't know how far down the road I believe with all the, our government is turning upside down. Joe Biden was put there by God to do the work he's doing and to forbid the honesty of the country. He was put there by the Lord so God can fulfill his judgments against us. And then he'll probably cast Joe Biden into hell along with Donald Trump. Because neither one of them, I don't believe, are believers along with the the Bushes, along with the Clintons, along with Reagan and the rest of them. I don't believe we had any presidents other than perhaps Abraham Lincoln. Abe Lincoln took the slaves into the basement of the White House and taught them Bible and even taught them predestination. I believe he's the only one I know of could have been a Christian. All right. Now let me give you some of these things. Let me give you Daniel 7. Daniel 7. I'm just going to read the verses and then come back and explain it to you. Daniel 7 and verse... 
I need to uh, read a little before this. He's talking about the ten horns out of this kingdom in verse 24, ten kings that shall arise and another shall rise after them and he shall be diverse from the first and be shall subdue three kings and he shall speak great words against the most high. This is the man of sin and shall wear out the saints of the most high and think to change times and laws and they're doing that right now. They're making abortion legal and that's acceptable. They're making uh, marriages, uh, homosexual marriages are okay. That, if you look at that goofy woman on TV, uh, the degenerate one, <laughs> hell of the degenerate, if they'll, they'll announce somebody's coming out of the closet and the whole crowd will go, Wee! And if somebody says something about truth or God, they hiss and boo them down. Then it says, he shall speak great words against the Most High. This is the man of sin. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Wear out means to wear out. And think to change times and laws. And they're doing that now. And they shall be given into the hand until a time and times and dividing of times. That's three and a half years. But the judgment shall sit and they shall take away his dominion and to consume and to destroy it until the end. And the kingdom and dominion and greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall observe and obey him. Now it's talking about the man of sin being overcome. Now look here in in Daniel 12 and 7. These are all references to the end of time. Daniel 12 and 7. 12 and 7 is talking about the end of time. Where Michael stands up, the great prince, and standeth for the children of the people. That's in verse 1. And then you get over here to uh, to 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half, when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all those things shall be finished. That's going to be at the last half of the of the 70th week, and the power of the believers, that we won't have any power, they'll persecute us at that point in time. Then in then you look over here in Revelation 4, 12, uh, Revelation 12. Let's go to Revelation. These All these things are happening at the end of time and it, because this hasn't happened before. Revelation 12 and verse, 14, verse 6. Verse 6. And the woman, which is Israel, the woman with the clothed of the sun in the first verse, and on and her feet, and a moon under her feet, and a crown of, of twelve stars. This is not talking about Mary, or it's not talking about something heathen. Out of her will be born, she will travail with child, 
and out of her will come the man that will slay the great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and that is the world ruling system and and he, and the child will be born of her and that's talking about Christ and he will rule the nations with a rod of iron that's Christ in verse 5 and then in verse 6 and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days that's twelve hundred and sixty days that's half of seven years she's going to flee for her life that's what we're going to do and then he says basically the same thing in verse 14 and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness and to her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a times. That's three and a half years. You can't have these three and a half years all over the Scripture without it being equated with the last or the end of the 70th week. And then you've got that in 11 and 3. 11 of Revelation and 3. This has to do with the two witnesses, which is the church. We see that the... Gosh, if I get into this chapter, it's going to take me a long time. I'm just giving you an overview of these these words. And I'll get, I will give power to my two witnesses. The two witnesses are the two olive trees. Uh, I will give power to my two witnesses... And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. So that's twelve hundred and sixty days. That is half of twenty five hundred and twenty days on a Jewish calendar of three hundred and sixty days every year. So so he says there, I'm my two witnesses, and these are in verse four, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks out of Zechariah 4. The two olive trees are the two that represent God on the earth, the priest and the king. God hath made us priests and kings. And that's the church. And we will witness for these 1260 days. And then you've got the same thing, 11 and 2. But the court which is outside the temple, which is us, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles that even describes that describes the area outside the temple what was the women's court the temple was built like this then you had the court of the Gentiles out here the Gentiles are the women's court the one they could come into leave that out because it's just the Jews that's inside and this and this angel is measuring who is in the temple of God? And he uses a rod. And the rod reminds me of Horizo. Who's inside the temple of God? And then it says, For it is given unto the Gentiles in the holy city, shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Forty-two months is half of seven years on a seven-year calendar. Forty-two months. There's 84 months and seven years. Every one of these is talking about this time period. 
And then I have to go into how these two witnesses will be killed over this last two and last three and a half years. They'll be killed, but that's the church. And then they'll be raised up in this same chapter. I'll come back to this chapter. And then you've got in 13, Revelation and 5, 13 and 5. And the church is under attack. And there was given unto him, not him, it. This is the beast of verse of the previous several verses, verse 2. It's an it, not a not an him. A mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, half of seven years. And the two witnesses will be witnessing and die for it. All I was going to do is introduce you to the 42 months because that's, if you have it here at the end and you have it, there's no way that anything fits correctly if you have the 70th week following right on the heels of the 69 weeks. It doesn't fit chronologically in Scripture. All these verses have to go together. I'll come back to these on Saturday and show you how they fit. I ran out of time. I was just running through those and give you something to think about. I really believe we're close to the end of all things because of our government, because of the economy. There's 10 or 15 nations across the world that are on the verge of economic collapse. You can go online and say, how many nations are sitting on the edge of bankruptcy and they'll start naming them all. And that's famine. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, unravel this in my mind as I've taught it many times before. Help us to see that you are our only hope. That you're going to come soon. I don't know if I'll see you, Lord. I hope I would like to be here at your second coming to comfort the church. Cause us to continue working and strengthen these these people that are part of this ministry. And we'll give you praise for everything. Fight our battles for us. We'll praise you for it all in Christ's name. Amen. All I did was scratch the surface on those, the last half of the 70th week. All that information goes together.